Hello, please let me see your ticket subs for the Double Edge Double Bill, where you get two film and or media discussions for the price of one, which is nothing. Each week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to randomly select the yin and yang of a double feature. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for each episode. Let the chaos begin. I am Thomas Mariani. <laughs> and I am Adam Thomas. Adam Thomas. Get to the job! We're Tori. Our guest from the Noir episode is piloting. Um, Tori, I'm amazed you were completely quiet during their entire sequels episode. You didn't say one peep. Yeah, no. Um, and I, I got, I got, I had nothing. I guess. <laughs> Hi, they tried me on again. This time I'm piloting you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did kind of pilot our spirit discussion back in the Noir episode. <laughs> you kind of yeah. took that over for a second. Um, but that's all right. That's in the past. The now is our topic for the week, which is the Predator franchise. The week we're releasing this, a new Predator film is coming out. The first one in almost a decade since uh, Predators. And are we excited, everybody, for the Shane Black Predator? Not as excited um, as I was for the spirit, but I'm excited <laughs> nonetheless. <Sure. laughs> I have a hesitance. I mean, I want it to be good, but I don't know, man. We will see. The, I don't think the advertising's been great, but I think we're... I, I really hope Shane Black's hiding something. He's hiding something that we haven't seen in the trailer. It's like the, you know, say what you will, but the Iron Man 3 twist that we didn't see coming. Uh, good or bad, you did not expect that to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I, I think... I think it'll be... I think it'll be good. Shane, Shane Black's reliable, as far as I'm concerned. And he's royalty so. for the franchise. He obviously was in the original Predator. Hawkins. Yes, as Hawkins, a side character. Um, but yeah, so for those of you who don't know, maybe your first time on the podcast, I will be gentle. And the premise is that each <laughs> each of us come to the table with uh, two movies that the other one doesn't know about. Um, this week, I have the two good movies fitting the topic of the Predator franchise. Adam has the two bad ones. And uh, each of us would normally pick a number between one and ten, and we would assign a number to each of our two picks. And whatever the other one said, uh, whatever number is closest to whichever will actually be the good and then the bad topic. Uh, but this week, because we have Tori here, uh, he is going to receive the gun and shoot the target. So first, for my two good films, Tori, pick a number between one and ten. Okay, I'm uh, putting, putting the bullets in the chamber here. I'm the, I'm the guy. I'm the guy with the gun. Um... Okay, uh, I'm gonna go on, with. Come uh, on, Tori, go faster! Come on, we gotta do this. Come on, make a decision. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, four <laughs> and nine. Okay, so four for the good movies, I'm guessing, and then nine for the bad ones. Yes. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm going him into it. He just shot off two real quick. Uh, <laughs> um, so for <laughs> so number four uh, is uh, closest to number two, which is appropriate because my number two pick is. I think one that most is arguable in terms of whether it is a good or bad entry in this franchise, Predator 2 from 1990. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> Speaking of arguable, Adam's here. Are you excited? Well, there's going to be an argument. There's Maybe. Be an argument. Well, the other choice uh, was at number nine, AVP. No, it's it's fucking uh, it's the Predator, the first one. Predator. Yeah, I kind of figured so, it happened. No right? shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number nine. And it's going to really surprise you. At number 10, I had AVP. <laughs> and oh, at number one, boy. AVPR. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't hate on Predators that much, man. I really don't. I'm, I'm very in the middle about Predators. I, I think we won't be talking about it, but just my biggest issue with that movie is like, why in the jungle again? You're on an alien planet and we're in the goddamn jungle again. Why the fuck are we doing this again? <laughs> At least Predator 2 goes I into the city. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that part, but I mean, why the why the twist that everybody could see coming with Topher Grace? What was the point of any of that? I don't know, but we're not talking about that. We'll be talking about Predator 2 and AVP the 2004 one in a bit but before we go Tori thank you for picking that and uh, sealing our fates yay Happy uh, <laughs> yes and we'll be back right after this Los Angeles 1997 it's the hottest summer on record pollution is choking the city the gangs control the streets it has not been a nice day as bad as things are they're about to get worse. Much worse. It has almost no weight. But it cuts like steel. Incredible. Other world life forms drawn by heat and conflict. Danny Glover, Gary Busey, Bill Paxton. Predator 2. He's in town with a few days to kill this Thanksgiving. We are back. We have seen our double feature, and uh, we have, wait, some sort of mysterious figure is invisibly moving amongst the trees. Oh my god, it's revealed himself. It's our guest, Jonathan Habdemichael. Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm just in camo. You don't see me. Okay. I don't know if that was a mating call or not. It's like goddamn Yeti slapping sticks together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, but, Jonathan, when I sent you like a list of like episodes to do, this one jumped to you quite quickly. Are you a big fan of the Predator franchise, or is there any distinctive reason why you wanted to come on for this one in particular? I really felt like the Predator franchise has some hidden gems that people seem to just deride because they were not in the jungle and or it involved Arnold. And I feel like the movies that were selected encompass the good parts of those movies that people really don't like. And I want to defend them. Well, this will be quite interesting then. Yes. Um, But we should talk about that briefly before we go into our two films. Uh, Obviously, the Predator franchise started with Predator in 1987. Uh, from John McTiernan, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, as you mentioned, and that was, I think we can all agree, is one of these sort of, like, seminal action, sci-fi, vaguely gory horror films of that era, and was really one of the distinctive moments in Schwarzenegger's, like, big peak, right? Can we all agree on that? Yeah, I throw that, you know, it's in the class with, like, Predator, Robocop, Terminator, you know, things like that belong in a nice little package together, I'd say. 
Yeah, I kind of actually feel like out of those movies, Predator is the one that almost transcends from Arnold. Like, you can just see as the Predator as its own character and its own lead. But I can't deny that, yeah, if it wasn't for Arnold, that second half would just be dull because he has that charisma that keeps what could have been a really schlocky movie above and actually stands with Commando and the Terminator and the rest. Yeah, but the Predator is a unique beast. Uh, you have a great point, because unlike sort of the alien, who will also get into that franchise a bit in our second feature, uh, the Predator actually has a code, something that it kind of like actually lives by. You can see its thought process. It's more humanistic, which I would argue makes honestly more interesting a character to build more of a franchise on than it's honestly had. Oh, definitely. I- even with... Uh... The bad pick we have, there are still world-building aspects to the Predator's culture and ideals that aren't just rehashes of the previous movies. Yeah, I agree. Uh, You know, I definitely have no problem with them changing locales, with them adding more to the backstory, because let's be honest, in the first movie, you have no backstory. You just know that every, you know, so on many seasons or whatever she says when it gets hot. You know, people would go missing and end up dead. So, I like a lot of the people when they would, you know, bitch about the franchise. Like, oh, they do. They had some ancient war going on. Give us a shit. You didn't know anything to begin with. So, if you don't like it, just don't worry about that part. There's things that they've done that I, I don't like, but, you know, what are you going to do? But I still love the franchise as a whole, for sure. It's almost like an anthology with the character. Like, there are, like, some loose connections on acknowledging sometimes that the first movie happened or maybe a hint of the second movie. But each of these installments are pretty much different genres that just so happen to have an alien hunter. And I feel like that's what keeps the Predator from being stale, like its cousin series, uh, the Alien franchise. Well, yeah, because I think they stray more and more away from the general premise of Alien as those movies go along, especially when you get to, like, Resurrection and then when Ridley Scott came back. And there, there's a lot we could talk about, but that's for a different show, different franchise entirely. Let's talk about uh, our specific first feature and our double feature, Predator 2, which was released on November 21st, 1990, uh, directed by Stephen Hopkins, who had directed uh, one of the previous Nightmare on Elm Streets, I think 5. Was yeah, the one he did Dream Child. Yep. Right, Dream Child. Yes. Um, not one of the better ones, um, but that got no. him this job for some reason. I'm still not quite sure why. I mean, it did make money, so... Right, that's true. And also, it is actually written by Jim and John Thomas, who I didn't know are actually brother screenwriters who wrote the first film. Yeah, they're my uncles. So that's how you got this job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, uh, so, Predator 2, um, starring Danny Glover this time. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to star in the film, along with Danny Glover, apparently as the character that turned into Gary Busey. Uh, But he was not a fan of the script and also had an issue with pay raises and such. And I know, Adam, uh, when we were doing our intro, uh, you were talking a bit of shit about Predator 2. Uh, Did watching it now uh, change your mind a bit at all? Let's put it this way. I enjoyed it more now because I was definitely more of a purist growing up when I first saw this. Like, wait a second, Arnold's not in it? So those guys you were bitching about earlier were you? That's the twist? When I was fucking 10. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's like, dude, it's a fun movie. I mean, it's crazy. You know, Scorpios is ready. (laughs) That fucking guy does the mountain of coke. You got the voodoo guys. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a good movie. I still got problems with, I don't really, I'm not a Danny Glover fan per se. And Bill Paxton is actually kind of awful in this movie. 
it grates on my nerves. But other than that, I, I like this movie enough. Gary Busey in a giant silver suit. It's pretty ridiculous. Oh, it's so great, though. <laughs> Just literally the bit where he does the Wizard of Oz thing, like, lions, tigers, bears. Oh, my. Just like, oh, that's that's my Busey. <laughs> that's the Busey yep. I love. He's starting to come out. Well, yeah, especially this is yeah. the first movie I believe he did after the motorcycle accident. Correct. Which, I mean, it would get worse <laughs> from here. A lot worse. That I was confused about, because I didn't get the timeline right. And I thought this was, like, right before, because he seems sane compared to how he is now. And apparently, I didn't know how bad the damage was, because I just thought he's just gone off the rails because of medication. But I think he's gotten, gotten into a second accident, oh. the one that really damaged his face, where it, like, pushed his eye in and everything. I believe it has to do more with the cocaine overdose he had in the mid-90s. I think that was the oh. other thing. That, that really sucks your eye in? I, I, as a medical professional, I can confirm. Yes, that's obviously what it does. I mean, I'm not checking cocaine into my eyeball. <laughs> but uh, going back, Thomas, on your first point that Arnold was going to have the Gary Busey role as Dutch, I feel like it was a bad idea, even if Arnold was on board, because we are going to be following uh, Danny Glover throughout this movie because he's the real target of the Predator, and is having some scenes here or there with Dutch being like the character we follow for an entire movie being an antagonist, it would actually be a mix on the audiences, kind of like a reverse on T2. Instead, we actually are supposed to follow Arnold from the beginning. So I would see probably there would be even a stronger hatred against Danny Glover, like how Tom Adam was actually saying, because I actually like him, but I understand that some people may not like him, even though he's just playing uh, Murtaugh again, but it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> He's so playing Murtaugh. He's so just like, oh man, we're about to shoot Lethal Weapon 3. Um, I might as well just do something to keep myself in character. <laughs> Let's Shave go ahead and do this. Right, Shave the mustache and do a quick movie. Um, <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, Jonathan. I think it would have been almost distracting with Arnold as the antagonist in this one. I mean, let's face it, Arnold's worked as an antagonist once. In Terminator, he's never done it again. Nobody wants to see Arnold as the bad guy, really. Someone is forgetting the masterpiece of Batman Robin, and I will not stand here idly. Oh, you do this? God. Just <laughs> Oh. Hey, bad boy. <laughs> like, oh, no. And, I mean, I could, I could easily see this being sort of like a precursor to that if he was in this movie. Just like, hey, you know what you should do, Danny? You should get to a chopper. Uh, awkwardly looks at camera. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, let's talk a bit more about Danny Glover. Um, obviously, coming off of the Lethal Weapon franchise, uh, that sort of made him from recognizable character actor to a name. Um, I agree, he's definitely doing Murtaugh again. But at the same time, it's not necessarily a bad version of Murtaugh. I will say, this has um, some moments where him kind of being startled is so funny to me. Like, the bit in the graveyard is hilarious. It's not supposed to be, but the way it's edited and the sound cues, where it's just like, dun, dun, dun. He just keeps turning from which side to which. Like, I, I just find Danny Glover being confused hilarious. I think it's funnier because, like you're saying, like, he sees the, the necklace of his partner dangling. He is freaking the hell out of it, just, just hanging there. Like, it could have been a relative who happened to have a piece of it or something, then they just left it as a memorial on a tree. But then when he grabs it and looks at it and then says, 
oh my god, it's Danny's necklace! Like, it doesn't help that graveyard scene right before that is the bit where the kid comes up and says, wants some candy, and the Predator has to repeat that line, which it's, I don't want uh-huh. a character called the Predator saying, I want some candy in the middle of an no. urban area. No. That's just really weird. At least the Predator doesn't hijack like a windowless van. <laughs> Start driving around. No, <laughs> you know, way to go Predator to hang that necklace perfectly out of a giant tree that Danny Glover would see it from eight feet away. Because I wouldn't have seen that shit. <laughs> There's no way. But Danny Glover's got super cop eyes, I guess. I don't know. Shaves off the mustache and gets better sight. <laughs> and of course, we have to talk about the fact that this movie um, is in the middle of like a big L.A. gang war that's going on in the far distant future of 1997, which is a favorite trope of mine. Ooh. Every time... Oh, it's the best. <laughs> Every time a movie incorrectly predicts the future so hard. But in, at the time, this was around the L.A. riots, right? Or was it like right before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was on the cusp. It was on the cusp. Yeah, it was right before. There was definitely so... racial tensions just, yeah. you know, going crazy. And you still, of course, had the Blood and the Crips gang wars going on in South Central L.A. and things like that. So, I mean, it was there. It wasn't as crazy as, you know, Latin gangs versus, you know, Jamaican voodoo gangs, but... <laughs> That opening firefight's amazing, too. Just the it's ridiculousness so of it. <laughs> it's like so something out of RoboCop, yep. but even further in the future. Like That's what I'm talking about, this high idea of taking a genre of movie and just adding a predator into it. Because like we're saying, this is during racial tensions in real life and then having ridiculous stereotype gangs shooting out with futuristic high-tech weaponry just in the middle of central L.A. It's like it's it's so ridiculous that I don't understand how some people can be so mean about this. Like you can't say it's offensive because it's so crazy. Like you even have like a hard copy knockoff going around, like not Geraldo with a camera while he's getting fire at fired at by, by the gangs and the cops played by Martin Downey Jr. Who was at the time a very similar character (laughs) IRL. Uh, yeah, the El Scorpios and Uncle Willie's voodoo, whatever they King were. King Willie. King Willie. No, Uncle sorry, Willie. I got it right. It's King Willie's voodoo posse. Oh, that's a really fucking strong gang name. And some of these guys were really Jamaican. They were some of them were really hard to understand. They had thick, deep accents. Right. Yeah. Credit to uh, Calvin Lockhart plays King Willie. And his whole scene where he talks to Danny Glover in the freaking alleyway is spectacular. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Like, but then his defensive move after Danny Glover leaves, where he pulls that really shitty sword cane out. Like, what are you going to do, man? This thing's going to rip it's, your it's, shreds. It's obviously trying to be a play on it with having the Predator with its dreadlocks taking down a dreadlock drug kingpin. It it was there for laughs. The goofiness of the way that the off-screen decapitation is done is oh, yes. masterful. <laughs> We're just like, ah! And the severed head is just moving along. It's so great. You know, I really do like this movie. There's some great scenes. The, the subway scene is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Where the Predator's in the subway and the lights are flickering from the tunnel and everything. And even though I said before, Bill Paxton gets on my nerves. And in, in that scene, you're like, oh, no, he is fucked the king willie scene with danny glover is excellent to me that's probably my favorite scene in the movie and then uh you know the way it ends i thought was really good too but i mean i don't really understand the large group of people who hate this movie and i mean hate this movie 
Okay, I understand kind of like how we're seeing recently with people having immediate reactions to sequels and saying it's the worst in the franchise, even though they're clear predecessors that were much worse. But clinging on to those feelings after, like we said, the rest of these movies in, in the Predator franchise, not only does Predator 2 work as a complement to the first one, it does something that I feel like would have been would have been stale, an idea of just being another hot day with another predator, because you could have had you could have followed Gary Busey and had the same commando idea, but having with a cop who understands the streets makes it a more interesting target for the predator. That's what makes the subway scene work, because the predator isn't just going around killing civilians. He's trying to get to Danny Glover, kind of like in a cop movie where that one gang member is trying to get at the detective who's loose cannon and he's going after his friends and family. Yeah, no, and you're right. And, and the cool part about it too is, you know, these are just cops. They're not trained spec ops soldiers or whatever. These guys basically have no chance against this thing. And you're just watching it. You know, you, you know that they're screwed and God bless them for trying, I guess, but can't beat the predator, man. And I guess unless you're Danny Glover or, Sana Lathan or Arnold Schwarzenegger or the guy from True Blood or Adrian Brody for some reason. Creepily buff Adrian Brody. We were all like, no, don't do that. Creepily buff. Yeah, don't, don't do that. It doesn't work. Well, let's not talk about Predators, which is actually one of the worst sequels. Yeah, I said it. Oh, damn. The shade. The shade oh. being thrown. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but let, let's get back. Yes, you know, we should, of course, credit the underrated MVP of these first two movies, obviously. Kevin Peter Hall, who was a guy who was a, a suit actor who you might also recognize his body movements if you've ever seen Harry and the Hendersons. He was Harry. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is yes. nice. Um, and uh, he was, of course, the predator in the first film as well, and he's the main predator in this film. And uh, he tragically died of AIDS not too long after this movie came out. But um, his acting as the predator... It's just, like, such a great example of how to create a character out of a monster that doesn't really talk. Uh, yeah, using none of his own facial features, none of his own anything. Right, it's one of the best examples of how suit acting really works, especially what's really interesting is the fact that, despite obviously being the same species, this is still a distinct predator from the first movie, Predator. Like, in the first movie, that guy is a lot more calm, cool, and collected. This guy feels more like he saw the exploits of that dude. He's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to one-up this motherfucker. Look what I'm going to do. Right. I'm going to go down the city. Get up to 11. <laughs> I agree. Kind of like if you were to say that the first Predator is a regular game hunter who mm-hmm. likes to hide in the jungle and stalk his prey. This guy's out for a vendetta because apparently Danny Glover kind of saw him and that pissed him off. So he's going to mess with him. Fuck with him before he kills him. Yeah, this would be this would be the guy that like yeah. if if like uh, social media existed, he would take that skull with the spine on it and post a picture on Instagram. Taking selfies yeah. with his alien dinosaur that he killed. <laughs> I get. <laughs> I got the vibe that he's a younger predator too, mm-hmm. uh, because I mean he's a little bit more vibrantly colored, you know, a little bit more vocal, things like that. And like you said, he's fucking kind of crazy and reckless. Like he just just. Goes does whatever the hell he wants, dude. That, that uh, fucking scene where he's on top of the building and lightning literally hits him, and he's so fucking on board for it. That's an example where it's just like it feels like he's just fucking raging. You completely get the vibe that either this might be one of his first hunts, or 
he's just fucking crazy. Like, this thing is just unhinged. It doesn't give a shit. It's killing everybody and anything that it, that sees him or even that's close to something else he killed. Well, well, still keeping to the general code of the Predators, which is something that we definitely yeah. need to talk about in terms of, like, uh, say, with the um, Marita Conchita Alonso character with, like, that she, he recognized that she's pregnant and he doesn't actually go for it um, in terms of the kill and stuff like that. I still like that they at least kept to that. Doesn't kill uh, unarmed, unarmed people. Right. Uh the, the the child with the toy gun who was offering candy. Yes, he was about to get him, but he re- but he's smart enough to, to see that it's actually a toy gun. Mm-hmm. Commentary. Well, no, he's got one of those. His Papa Predator got him one. I remember my papa gave me that on my Kafaka <laughs> celebration. <laughs> I'm the third son of Kafaka. You know, we should also talk about the fact that we've mentioned a lot of the cast members. Um, a great. Sure who's who of, like, awesome 80s character actors that pop up in this movie. Um, you got Robert Davi as the deputy chief showing up, who I always love seeing, because he's just a slimy, sleazy-looking piece of shit every time he shows up. And he has the classic chewing out the reckless guy bullshit, which is like, there's a war going on out here! Yeah, and you should be a soldier, and you should follow my orders, and all that shit. Great. <laughs> wonderful bit. Um, Adam Baldwin... This is like not too long after uh, my bodyguard oh, popping up. So here. young, dude. Yeah, and hopefully yeah, less racist kind of at this point. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he probably was still just as homophobic. Probably. Yeah. I didn't. Oh, I didn't know about it. Oh, oh yeah, his Twitter's well, fun. Oh, oh. <laughs> he's the actual guy who coined the term uh, "Gamergate." Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. such a great guy. <laughs> It's a really strong cast, even with, I agree, this is um, sort of the attempt at being the Hicks character for Bill Paxton that I'm not as huge a fan of. It definitely feels like Diet Hicks. Um, yeah. the, the jokes aren't nearly as, like, fun, and it does feel like he's just more of, like, a used car salesman. It feels, if anything, this is more used car salesman than he was in True Lies, but that's the perfect amount of Bill Paxton oh, used car salesman God. in yeah. True Lies. I, I was saying, that's my, one of my favorite Bill Paxton performances ever as in True Lies. <laughs> oh, but no, yeah, he just, dude, it's it's nonstop from him. That's the problem. He's constantly trying to cut jokes and hit on chicks, and it's like, dude, give it a rest. You're supposed to be some hot shot, you know, detective who earned your way into this special unit, you know, and he's just you don't see it ever. The only time you see it is when he makes her leave and he stays to fight the predator in the subway. Well, he actually did uh, track down Gary Busey's commando group to the slaughterhouse, but then lost them because they're special ops. They had better stuff than him. Right. I understand. Yeah. I, I get he gets annoying at points, but Shane Black in the first movie was also telling really bad sex jokes. Black was also in the first movie for a total time about, I don't know, eight minutes. But it works at least in the style that you would have some dumbass who would say dumbass jokes, but actually gets the job done. It just so happens that he dies by a predator instead of. And know. never gets the job done. He follows them to a slaughterhouse, and then you know I lost them because they got better stuff than me. I think we should we should definitely talk about we've referenced the fact that like L.A. is a location here, different from the jungle. Um, how do we think, especially sort of Stephen Hopkins, kind of shoots? a lot of these sequences, because I'll say this much, um, uh, this movie is worth it alone for the stunt work 
the stunt work in this movie is spectacular. There's like so many yes. scenes of people falling off fucking roofs, or especially the predators sliding down and trying to like try and catch something while sliding down the building. That shit's great. That's awesome practical stunt work going on this whole time. And they just beat the shit out of these buildings. Like when the predator goes through that bathroom <laughs> and just fucking slides in, there's just concrete and plaster everywhere. Awesome. Yeah, and how oh, cool man. is that scene too where he made that like chemical on the sink to cauterize his wound? That was so cool. It even shows sophistication because he needed to get the right materials to make his healing goo instead of just <laughs> a, a lamer writer would have just said he takes out a giant knife, heats it up, and just burns the stump. Like it actually has a bit more skill because he has a he has the med bag and all that. And mm-hmm. intercut, we actually have Danny Glover slowly climbing down it works well as to being a nice stunt is also gore actually that's one of the few scenes from when i saw this as a kid that always stuck with me was the arm cauterizing scene uh but yeah no thomas like you said and i think you were alluding to jonathan the stunt work in this movie is fucking incredible i mean how many people fall through skylights in this movie and they get quickly yanked upside down and you know running through concrete walls like you said falling down buildings running through buildings that they can't see through getting thrown into shit. I mean, the whole movie is just basically a stunt buffet. And uh, I think it's adequately shot. You could tell it's like a second mainstream feature, uh, but he knows how to shoot stunt work for sure. And also he makes L.A. look crowded and busy like it should. L.A. is crowded just walking through, going through the streets. Like, I'm surprised there are people on the subway because the L.A. subway only has like five stops. (laughs) It's it's a perfect place to actually take uh, for a predator to take down people because no one's really there, but they still have it populated. Like you feel like it's an actual city. No, right. And uh, I also love the way Stephen Hopkins, uh, in terms of the lighting, uses any blue filters. Like I love any of the scenes are, like bathed in blue in this movie. It's just so, like especially like the slaughterhouse scene. It's so perfect, like bathed in blue, and the way that you get sort of the chaos that's going on there without it being too overcut. I really appreciate it because it really does the thing that modern movies really like to use with the blues and the oranges, but they just do it clashing together in the same frame. At least, like you said, Tom, is like you can feel the nice blueness in a really cool, as in temperature cool scene, like the the slaughterhouse or maybe the bathroom, but in the it's not El Scorpio's, but I'm guessing the the boss of El Scorpio's uh, penthouse, like it's orange, feeling the heat and the passion. Because not only was he doing his girl, the the voodoo gang were also lining up candles to sacrifice him. And it cuts back to the predator ship, where it would be really warm for them. Like you just had that orange feel. It's that type of usage of blue and orange that I appreciate far more, where it's not just two contrasting things on the screen, but actually has significant feels of, of temperature and theming. There's a purpose for it, not just be like, look how cool this movie looks because this filter we put on it, i.e. Matrix 2 and everything since. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I never even thought about that for the most part, you know, the coloring until I saw it um, yesterday. And I was like, man, this is really just... He's re- you got, I give Hopkins credit. He's really going for the gusto on his second big screen thing because, let's face it, Elm Street 5, while it might have done decent uh, financially, it was a critical failure. So I think he was trying to prove, like, no, 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 I can make you know something that people will like. Unfortunately, 
that was Predator 2, which at the time was a critical failure. No, oh, yeah. Um, and he would also follow this up not too long after with Lost in Space, so... Oh, Jesus. Can't always oh, win. <laughs> oh, I didn't know he did Lost in Space. Oh, God. We should definitely mention more about, we referenced it earlier, but the ending of this movie is like a, mm. a key moment for the Predator lore for one reason that we'll save as our transition point, <laughs> I think, quite obviously. Also, just in terms of when you get, it's the first time you see their actual ship. It's the first time you see sort of their culture and the way that they have trophies and everything. For different ages. Yes, because we have the other Predators that come in, um, but also that sense of honor that they share with yeah. not just the Predator, but also with Danny Glover, the human, who defeated the Predator. Um, it's such a wonderful scene that really is just like, it's so unique for any of these like sort of genre of sci-fi movies, especially of this era, where it is just like, it's a monster, it's a creature, you kill it and it's over. As opposed to this, there's like a sort of ceremony and a respect that's going on when they pick up the Predator body and they move it along after a pretty cool fight sequence in that whole place. We've talked about like, oh, there's some campy stuff, some stuff doesn't work. This sticks the landing really well. What I respect the most is uh, before with all the times when the Predator speaks, it seems like it was just mimicking human language. But having the Elder uh, tossing the the, uh, the pistol to Dan Glover and actually saying, take it. Like, it shows the respect that he actually tried to learn the human language enough so that he can communicate with someone. And that really does not get rid of that shown after Predator 2, because it seems like most writers and directors don't want the Predator to speak. And I feel like that is a deterrent, because there's an intelligence behind the Predators, and they have been coming to Earth so long that why can't they know the human language to be a better hunter? Yeah, and you, I mean, it, that's a good tool, too. I mean, you see it used a lot in both of these, in the first and second one, where it's used to lure people in and, you know, trap them. I, you're right, they completely, basically completely abandon that. And, uh, I mean, we'll see about the next shit show, but, yeah, they. I don't understand. But, um, yeah, no, this ending was so, so satisfying. Like you said, where you know the clan of predators comes down, they all got different armors, different you know ornaments on their armor, different color schemes. One of them was really old and with a cape, so you know that guy runs shit, and he you know throws Danny Glover that musket, which is by the way probably worth a fucking mint, and uh, you know just their code of honor and sense of honor. Like yeah, dude, you killed one of ours. That takes skill to do because we are the fiercest hunters in the galaxy, so. We're going to let you live and then give you a little trophy for it. Um, I just thought that was such a cool way to end it. They didn't really even... They, there was so much potential there for them to just go in different directions, and they never did. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with Jonathan's idea of just like dropping the Predator into a different genre every time, because I could really work for any situation where it's like even... Fuck, I want to see the um, Oscar drama where you drop a Predator in the middle of it. Like the John Cassavetes drama, where you just drop a fucking predator, and they're just like, it's a couple arguing about their bitter marriage, and the fucking predator shows up, and they come together. (laughs) Or a a simpler one, like, just make it like a pirate drama, because that footlock pistol was was 16th century, 18th century. A a period piece, yes, would totally work, I agree with that. Alright, so I guess we should get into our final thoughts about Predator 2. I'll start briefly by saying, um, yeah, this is definitely one of the 
more underrated ones in the franchise. It's got its kitschiness, it's got its problems. Um, but it all services this being, I think, more of a B-movie than the first Predator. I think Jonathan mentioned the fact that the first Predator kind of elevates itself beyond an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And I think this one doesn't quite manage to do that with, you know, a Danny Glover 90s slash 80s sort of pr- crime uh, procedural cop movie. But um, at the same time, uh, it does a pretty good job of being that B-level fun, weird, experimental concept of putting the Predator, as Jonathan mentioned, into a new genre scenario. And it's got a great cast of different people. Kevin Peter Hall, like we said, R.I.P. Um, wonderful suit actor that deserves way more attention than he gets. And, uh, yeah, the stuff it builds up about the Predator mythology is very key and, honestly, phenomenal. For sure. Uh, Jonathan, yourself? Well, you took a lot of key points that I was going to bring up that I do love the expansion of the Predator lore, putting the Predator in a scenario that I feel like many audiences at first were not keen to, but built it into something that I feel like was a good step forward in the Predator style. Danny Glover may be doing half of a Murtaugh impression, half a hard detective uh, look, but it actually does work as a new interesting target for the Predator instead of just a big burly commando. Gary Busey is very normal compared to his uh, modern self, but I feel like he works as a nice foil. And the Predator, as we said, he is crazy enough that I feel like we could have had more Predators like him instead of just stone-cold killers. I love uh, the the comedy mixed with uh, really bad racial stereotypes and Bill Paxton's really bad jokes. They work because the, it, people acknowledge how bad they are. I really hope people who had negative feelings about Predator 2 will rewatch it, as this was a bigger surprise rewatching it years later, and you should definitely check it out. Definitely the second best of the franchise. And if nothing else, uh, we also recommend, speaking of the, of the Predator being dropped in the middle of a scenario you wouldn't expect, seek out the blooper reel slash like gag reel thing where they have the Predators dance in that ship with Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is that a real was a thing. thing. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's so great. Uh, we'll seek that out online. But, uh, Adam, your final thoughts? Uh, you know... Like I said before, I had problems with this movie. I, I appreciate it more now. I wouldn't call it the second best. I would go third, personally. But um, I think it's a fun watch. It, it, the problem is, it, it's I don't know if it's because it's missing the Schwarzenegger star caliber, or if it's I, I don't you know I I don't know how to pinpoint it, but it's not there for me with the first one there it, it doesn't hit home with me like the first one did now there's cool stuff in this there's a lot of cool stuff i i don't like the full animatronic face i like that it's i don't like that it's googly eyes and not the actual actor's eyes like it was in the first one that always bothered me for some reason um i don't mind the bright colors i don't mind the different predator i think that's a cool way to go about it i don't mind the city landscape i, I it's, it's just something there's a disconnect there but I do want to get to one thing. So this was the first time, uh, I believe, unless it was done in comic book form first, but I'm not sure. I don't think so, that you get a connection between the Predator and the Xenomorphs. 
between right. the alien universe because he's got that giant trophy room when there's all those skulls and then right smack dab in the fucking middle is the xenomorph skull everybody at that time was like what the fuck everybody freaked out you could not wait much like freddy grabbing jason's mask at the end of jason goes to hell you see this cool fucking scene and then you have to wait forever to finally get it that one little easter egg spawned an entire sub franchise in this whole franchise and enterprise and we got it with uh avp in 2004 Seven days ago, one of my satellites over Antarctica discovered a pyramid. Where exactly on the ice is this? It's not on the ice. It's 2,000 feet under it. What did you say this room was called? Sacrificial chamber. This door is all here. This whole thing was a trap. And yes, Alien versus Predator, the most ambitious crossover event of all time, Marvel. Came out in 2004, specifically August 13th, 2004. Directed and written by Paul W.S. Anderson, who at this time was most famous for his Resident Evil films. Um, also had done Event Horizon up to this point. Yeah, uh, is this the dictionary definition of crushing disappointment? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of think it is. Uh, <laughs> I, think it, I think it's this then Batman Forever, and then Freddy vs. Jason. I, I think those are the three examples. You know, I would agree with you if if this was 2004 me talking, but there's a sequel to this, and 2008 me was really mad about that. So this one gets a lighter sentence, in my opinion, on its badness. Well, no, AVP, I agree, AVP... Requiem, which we almost covered, that was almost uh-huh. another option, um, is a worse uh-huh. film. It's much more garbage, uh-huh. I think, mainly because that one has so many attempts at trying to recapture both of those franchises. Like, they have a Ripley clone and a bunch of other crap that's just awful. It's it's just a terrible... I did like that it was only one better, though, I gotta be honest. Uh, sure. <laughs> I'll, um... I'll give it that much. <laughs> um... <laughs> Fair enough, all right. But guys, the Predalien, come on, it's so great. Oh, God damn it. No, we're not talking about Requiem. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're no. not. Let's talk about the WWE wrestlers that are the Predators in this movie. What the fuck, dude? And the thing is, I have no problem with the Predators being of different sizes, but all three of these dudes are like the biggest jet, pull a fucking tanker truck with their teeth <laughs> dudes you're ever going to see. And and their armor looked bad. Like, it just didn't look good. The, it, it, I I don't mind the the different designs, like even though close to a skull design, the one head in its mask. I don't mind it, but it looked phony. Everything looked phony. We should dub them Broditors, because they're oh. so <laughs> gross. Right, right. Uh, the, hey, hey bro, you going to go down to the pyramids so we can get some xenomorphs, bro? Yeah, bro, come on, let's go, bro. You know, that's why I'm happy that we have one that has the skulls like on his armor, like he's some sort of edgelord, and he's one of the two that gets completely obliterated by the aliens. Like, I like the fact that these broad predators get owned so quickly because they are incompetent teens. Like, 
they actually say through exposition. Right. And it also points out, like, this is, like, a different, like, clan compared to the other Predators. And I feel like that makes it kind of okay on that front as at least one Predator is has some sort of a cool head. But I do agree. These are two. These guys are way too beefy. They, they think they could just go on a bug hunt and be cool. They're all down there drinking monsters, <laughs> fucking listening to Pitbull. They're all fired up, man, ready to go. <laughs> you don't need you don't need hundreds of them swarming an entire civilization. Like that whole flashback just made me realize these predators are dumb. Right. <laughs> the, they're really dumb. They're a bunch of muscle heads. Yeah. They're, 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 you guys know these things have acid blood and, like, sword tails. <laughs> He's going to be like, create as many as you want, bro. I'm fucking pumped. Let's go squash these guys. <laughs> like, Once again, if social dude. media existed, these would be the guys just like, all right, I'm doing the Xenomorph challenge. Let me see. Just I'm going to take right. out as many of these as I possibly can at once. And then just yeah, gets right. overrun with them. It's like it's the, yeah. the best Predator hey. fail video on Predator YouTube. <laughs> What if the pyramid challenge is actually a test to see who are the smarter predators? Like they don't expect all three to come back. Like, like the one who comes back like gets the inheritance from the uh, from the caped elder or something. Like these are his three chucklehead sons, and only one of them can take over as head of the clan. I just like this is like the predator equivalent of just like you could have my inheritance if you spend one night in a haunted house. Okay, we're going way off the rails. So, Alien vs. Predator, a bit more backstory on this. This was obviously in development for a while. Uh, 14 years between this and Predator 2. No Predator movie in between. We had a couple Alien movies that were obviously in the middle there. This originally started development um, as a fifth Alien movie that was going to have James Cameron team up with Ridley Scott, obviously director of Aliens, James Cameron, and director of Alien, Ridley Scott, to kind of do a team-up movie with Ripley, uh, Sigourney Weaver herself uh, reprising the role. And uh, James Cameron immediately stopped when he found out they wanted to do Alien vs. Predator instead because he, quote, said, it's Frankenstein meets werewolf. It was Universal just taking their assets and starting to play them off against each other, milking it. And, uh, yeah. It definitely is that. <laughs> it is, but I would be more gung-ho for uh, late 80s, early 90s, James Cameron, Ridley Scott... Uh, team up than in early 2000s. Yeah, like, okay, Ridley Scott, again, of more like eight or so years after the fact would give us Prometheus in. James Cameron has uh, has always been defending every Terminator sequel that's come out after T2, and they all turn out to be mediocre to awful. And Ridley Scott is pretty much a coin flip of he's going to give us uh, a great cinematic experience or just a heap of pretty garbage. Is it a I coin think... flip anymore, though? Is it a coin yes. flip anymore? Yes, it is. Last year, we had all the money in the world and Alien Covenant. It is a literal coin flip. Yeah. <laughs> With, I think this is just a problem of all of these versus movies. Like, Freddy vs. Jason had this problem, too. The biggest problem is just how much time in this movie where we mainly are here to see aliens and predators fight each other do we spend with very boring human characters? Two-thirds easy? Yeah, I definitely agree. We do spend a lot of time with these boring human characters with uh, with these type of movies, but at least we have Shania Lathan. She is the only thread in all these uh, character actors just doing little bits of either callbacks or just being boring. She actually has a character arc, 
and she actually has feelings and cares about people and has a motivation you know normal protagonist stuff she's actually the only ripley i can think of that isn't a, a ripley clone she acts like a ripley but she doesn't look or have the exact same motivation or have a child strapped to her side just to say look she's kind of ripley I'll, I'll give you once she teams up with the Predator, because I remember that was the thing when I first watched this that I thought was the lamest part of the movie when I first watched it. I'm just like, oh, God, the Predator and the human are, like, friends now, whatever. Rewatching it, that's the aspect that holds this movie from being unwatchable, because once that thread gets introduced into there, that's such an intriguing dynamic that is very unique to the Predator, where, like, despite the fact that they were obviously adversarial in the previous Predator movies with humans, here it's just like, well, in this situation, you want to try and buddy up with the Predator, because he's the only one who would give a shit. The alien's just going to rip your face off, it's an animal. Versus the Predator has some kind of, like, respect and code, so you can at least, like, attach yourself to it. But, uh, the problem with it is, she's not an interesting character to begin with. I don't, I don't care that she's an expert, whatever, glacier climber, or whatever the fuck she's supposed to be. I, I could give two shits. So then when the Predator, like, marks her with his mark or whatever, I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and gives her, like, the shittiest weapons you could possibly give this human to fight these aliens. Here, take, take the top part of a skull and a spear. Like, <laughs> well, <it's> just... <laughs> no, logically, that, kind of, that works because the alien uh, shell is resistant to the acid, and she was able to stab one of the aliens with a spear in previous predator movies there's at least an intelligence there with the creature at least with the lone predator i believe he was credited as scar he has that semblance of that from the previous predator movies of the idea of a predator who at least follows the code instead of his two chucklefuck brothers who are just going around trying to kill humans for sport even though they're clearly there to kill aliens like it really shows that he has the idea. Like he could have just shot Shania Lathan and it's walked off, but he even saw he was busy taking down the grid alien, the one that has the markings from the from the razor wire nets, and another one. While she took one that would have gone from behind, he at least acknowledges that he's not some sort of uber predator that could take on things. He is a kid, so he realizes, okay, I need some help with this human just to get out of here. Because my uncle uses an alien queen factory to make way too many aliens to kill me. That's true. He's, he's more of like, while his brothers are broing out and he's like, yeah, I'm working out with you guys. He's actually like listening to podcasts and shit. <laughs> now listening to like bro music. <laughs> and he's, he's like dr- actually drinking coffee instead of monster energy drinks. He's uh, writing poetry uh, on the side when they're not looking. He goes home, listens to The Cure. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> he has th- that one predator i agree does have more character than most of the other ones credit to uh ian white who's the guy in the predator outfit who actually would show up in a few other things including um he would be one of the uh space jockeys in prometheus uh the, like the main one he was the seen. main one yeah yes. yeah yeah um he, he he gives like it's not a kevin peter hall performance we were talking about earlier but there's a, enough body language and stuff where you can see that he's sort of curious about Shania Lantham and respectful of her at that same time. Even when they go on... The, the funniest bad moment to me of the whole movie, though, is when they go on the sleigh ride of friendship <laughs> as the, like, it all explodes behind them. That's amazing. It, it's just so shitty. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, lo- I love when he does, you know, at the end, the sweet, like, 
cap away a fucking parkour spin <laughs> towards the alien queen at the end when out of nowhere he shows up. <laughs> You're like, this guy's a fucking pimp. Who <laughs> trained this motherfucker? <laughs> no, he, he's okay. It's just the problem is the suit, dude. He's too big and it really limits his range of movement. Mm-hmm. Paul W. Anderson, if you were to tell me that he was a huge fan of aliens, but kind of thought of the idea of the Predator was cool, but really didn't care for the Predator movies, I would believe it. Because there's all these crazy ideas of let's have the alien iconography everywhere. Like, even the first shot with the Whalen satellite, it looks like the crown of the alien queen. Right. For no reason. Yes. (laughs) And uh, there's so many... Uh, all the pictograms, yeah, you'll see a predator statue here or there, but there's so many alien embryo symbols, the full xenomorph adult form, and even shots of like the queen's crown in other places. Like, and the predator is a big hulking brute that roars like a lion, which I feel like is still a betrayal of the intelligent, sometimes human-speaking predators from first two movies. Like, it bothers me on that front. But it's not as bad as its successors, the other sequels. That's why I kind of defend AVP a little bit because of, yeah, Shania Latham in some aspects here and there of the, there's still some semblance of the Predator in Scar. Just not as great as the crazy uh, MFer who's on top of the Chrysler building in <laughs> LA roaring uh-huh. at lightning. <laughs> well, and, and also I'll give credit to um, this is uh, Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis uh, did the special effects work here, and they've been doing it since like Alien Three. They've been doing most of the special effects work in the movies that came out like in the nineties and onward. I was surprised by how much more practical stuff there was because I only remember the bad CG stuff, which was is still garbage. It's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. But terrible. there's a lot more practical effects work in here than I remembered. And the practical effects work still actually is pretty good. Like, all the stuff with the aliens, um, even the alien queen is mostly practical. Especially even when, um, despite the WWE nature of the fight with the alien and the predator, I do like the clever ideas of, like, having the grid mark show up. That's why the main one who's played by Tom Muldruff, the main alien, is called Grid. And having, like, that distinctive mark that shows up because of the netting. I like that idea. I think there are a few clever bits and well, pieces me too. like that. And that way you can identify that one, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the other one who's got its tail cut off, you know which one that is. But uh, yeah, no, the practical effects in here, they do work. Like I said, other than the bulkier suits, but they still look like predators. The aliens still look like aliens, but the CGI, it just, it ruins it. It, it, it literally, this is one of, there's quite a few movies, but this is definitely a big movie that the CGI almost takes me out of the movie. Like, it, it's just, it's so just jaunting from the practical to the CGI to where you, it, it almost loses me. I mean, plus, I mean, all right, can we just address this? Alien versus Predator. PG-13. I'm never one of those where it's like, if it ain't R, it ain't horror, blah, blah, blah. These movies are known for gory violence and everything else. And it, you... You don't have any of it. None of it. I'll, I'll, I'll be fair. There are a lot of uh, uh, skewering predators. Like, you see a lot of green blood. I think what was the issue is, if you're going to have an alien and a predator fight, you have green acid blood and neon green blood that's, you know, regular blood. 
the MPAA is not going to be as strict with it as they would be with red human blood. Right. And that really is a, a clear difference if you watch the extended version, which if you have HBO Go or HBO Now, you have the choice of seeing the theatrical cut or the extended cut of AVP. Just go with the theatrical because it's just a lot of CG red blood over the camouflage uh, predator claws or the, the the spears. Like it doesn't really matter. Like I, I think that's the version I watch, and I agree. Yeah, that's the thing is if you're even going to have blood, the CG blood just makes it so insulting. It's like, oh, you want your blood? Here it is, and it's terrible. Like, because even more so than CG with characters, CG blood is so noticeable. Oh, CG blood's the worst. No, I agree with you. But the thing is, you populate this movie with just cannon fodder characters. You, you know, all these all these people are going to die. You tell me, there's. I mean, there could have been decapitations, jaws ripped off, limbs ripped off. You know, disembowelments. I mean, the shit you come to expect or everybody expects from the Predator and Alien franchise, and they give you none of it. No, I agree. I, I 100% agree with that. It's just, it's very uncreative kills that go on. It's the same generic stuff. Like, I agree with Jonathan that it seems like Anderson has such a boner for the Alien franchise. Especially, you watch Event Horizon, you can tell that as well. That he had such uh-huh. a boner for, like, especially, like, even at that time, Aliens and Alien. But here, it, it's just a lot of, like, oh, man, I love it when they're, like, on the walls and they're all sticky and the aliens come out. It's it's so uncreative and unimaginative, especially when you you have fan service stuff. Because, like, I can forgive fan service in a context of, like, a big crossover event thing like this. But you get Lance Henriksen. And you give him jack and shit to do. And this Nothing. Is, no, and this is around the time when he was fully doing that, and this is, like, the biggest paycheck I think he has ever gotten <laughs> to fucking, like, come in and do nothing for a movie, and he's done that for At so many... Like, yeah. yeah it's for so many low-budget bullshit horror movies, and it's just, like, all the big studio equivalent. And it's so much more insulting, just because especially he's playing Wayland of Wayland-Yutani. This is a prequel. This is, like, oh, man, the mythology of the Alien franchise. Yeah, and, right. And fucking Jack and shit. I'll say also, just in a similar vein of, like, wasting people, we've talked about this guy before in one of our earliest episodes, you get Ewan Bremmer, who's such, like, a fun, sort of, um, wiry, potentially crazy guy, and he's also not doing shit. He's so bland. You dragged all the personality of this great, underrated character actor as well, just him, and then you also just have other people, like the... my, My least favorite is Raul Bava, as uh, Sebastian, the guy who finds the fucking Pepsi. He is awful. Oh, bottle cap, so bad. And he's supposed to be, like, sort of the almost love interest for Shania Latham in the movie, and you're supposed to really feel bad when he has, she has to shoot him? Like, I don't give a single fuck about that, dude. How are we supposed to know the backstory? Because who else is going to translate all these hieroglyphics? <laughs> Any of the other characters who were going to do that anyway. <laughs> right, and of course you give Ewan Bremer a backstory he's got children and all this, just so you can try to make you care for him when he dies, but it doesn't work. But no, but with all the, the scene, especially, like, where you're talking about that, or there's the other scene where um, Shania Latham's talking to the spiky hair blonde girl about, like, the gun thing. Like, those are scenes they want to have it be, like, the lunch scene in Aliens, where they're all at, the, like, the same place, and they, like, show off their different character quirks, and you get kind of invested in, like, oh, they're badasses, but you can kind of get endeared to them. And it's just so flat. Even Shania Latham in those scenes was just like, oh, hey, what are you, why are you bringing that gun? I don't plan to use it. Then why bring the gun? Uh, it's like a condom. 
I want to have and not need it rather than need it and not have it. I need Damn. And that was it from her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just call it what it is, dude. None of the human actors in this really give a good performance. Again, I'll fight for them and the rest I completely agree with you. <laughs> but that's picking a corn and a fucking peanut out of a pile of shit at this point. They're still covered in shit. I mean, they're still... You can wash it off. <laughs> Jeez, Jonathan, we have to talk to you about your eating habits. This is not healthy. <laughs> it goes good. Look, I, again, I'm looking at... I'm looking for the nuggets of gold because this is because we have like a, a requiem which was completely unforgivable. At mm-hmm. least it's it's those things that because it, it was a response to AVP that you have to look back on what actually worked in AVP because everything after it seemed to have been a response back saying at least we're not as bad as that, but they turned out to be as bad or worse. You would say that even of Predators? Oh, yes, definitely. The, the issue with Predators is that it really is a response of people wanting to have the sequel that they think they wanted after Predator, which was just huh. another jungle movie with scarier Predators. But the problem was they took good character actors and then gave them terrible dialogue, and they did not realize that some of that dialogue was actually supposed to be jokes, or at least supposed to be said humorously. I liked the movie enough. It didn't mind me that they were in a jungle setting. They were almost like on a game preserve, you know, things like that. So it didn't bother me. Uh, granted, yeah, it's more jungle. It's more of what you want. It's a fan service movie. And sometimes fan service movies are okay. Alien vs. Predator is not a fan service movie to me. Because, yeah, everybody wanted an Alien vs. Predator. But you get five minutes of it. The rest is just boring-ass characters running around a temple in Siberia or wherever the fuck they are. Like I didn't get a chance to rewatch Predators before we did the show uh-huh. today, uh, but I'll give it this much that like the scenes where they do have like the other Predator tribes, they reveal sort of like that sort of back and forth without as much exposition as like is in this movie. This is totally a movie that tries to hold the audience's hand the whole time and tries to spoon feed you with the Easter eggs in ways that are so much more overt. It's like the Ready Player One of fucking Alien and Predator movies. Yeah. <laughs> Just like remember that. You remember this too over here? It's 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 a lot more obnoxious with that. I can agree. And while I do also say I would obviously AVP Requiem is worse. It's definitely a worse movie because I think it does that even further to try and kind of correct the errors that you're talking about that people saw with this one, Jonathan. At the same time, I still do think this is a massive disappointment. I would say even more so than Freddy vs. Jason. Because as much as no, Freddy vs. Jason yeah. suffers from similar problems, when um, Jason and Freddy are together, there's, like, fun, memorable moments. Like, the whole final fight is fucking ridiculous and stupid, but it's charming in its own weird way. As opposed to, um, the, it's a Paul W.S. Anderson poorly cut-together sequences where the, you don't know what's going on in the middle of the action scene, and it's so awkward and so poorly put together, and you don't give a shit. But we've been going a lot on AVP. Let's go ahead and uh, go into our final thoughts. Jonathan, you start this time. Your final thoughts on Alien vs. Predator. I'm quoting you, Thomas, from one of your old reviews that AVP is like the best post-Predator 2 sequel for Predator in the Predator franchise. But that's like saying a regular person in a room with Dan DeVito and Kevin Hart is the tallest person. Like, it's... <laughs> It has its problems, clear problems, but it has some aspects that are at least defendable. 
But the problem really is that people had so much writing on those movies, so many expectations for for well over 20 years. If you actually, I believe that the uh, that the uh, comic was in the 80s, but I may be wrong. But if they had a well over a decade wanting to see this 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 team up, you had games, movies, books, all this stuff like fan films. I'm sorry that led up to this, and they were disappointed. And that is completely understandable because I was disappointed back then. But this is more of a hindsight kind of a thing that we... It could have been worse. That's the best I could say. At least there's some scenes, like, you could compile it all into, like, a 15 to 20 minute uh, supercut of just the good stuff with a little bit of fighting, some character moments, and be done. I can't say that for the other movies. I can't say that for Alien, Aliens versus Predator Requiem, but yeah, that's all I got. I got no but to go with that. It's just <laughs> your defense for this is you could make a YouTube AMV video out of it, <laughs> like have someone fucking edit together on Windows Movie Maker and fucking put Creed to it or some bullshit. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> all right, I'm not that bad. Don't put with Creed. At least listen to the listen to the to the cruddy uh, music they use in the film. Uh, just don't go that system far. System of a Down, whatever the fuck. That's what they all are set to on YouTube AMVs. Adam, your final thoughts. If they would have done worse than this, like they did with the sequel, at least you'd have something to talk about and maybe remember. To me, this movie is ultimately a bore fest and forgettable. I forgot about everything we talked about before I watched it today. Like, I didn't remember this movie. I've seen it twice. So now three times. And I didn't remember anything that happened in it for the most part. I remember Lance Henriksen was in it. I remember those big, beefy, fucking Miami Beach bullshit predators. I don't think there's anything in it that's good that outweighs the ultimate bad. I think most people have seen this movie. And I think most people would agree that it's ultimately a forgettable film. Yeah, I think I echo more, Adam. I respect Jonathan's attempts to make this sound better than it is, because I do agree that it is not the bottom, and we've gotten, at least I would definitely say, one really worse Predator movie for sure out of this. Um, and Alien movie, obviously, given AVPR. Um, but it still, at the same time, is more disappointing, just because this is like the first opportunity to really get it out there and do something great with like these two Titans bashing each other in but at the same time i'm i think this movie really was the movie that kind of got me off of the idea of caring about you know sort of two horror icons fighting each other because i remember around the time this came out i was so young and i was like oh my god we could get like chucky versus leprechaun or we could get uh, fucking other bullshit that'd be great robocop versus terminator yeah exactly it'd be awesome and then i watched it's like why the fuck uh, do you want... need that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> other than like making a fan film or an amv as Jonathan was referencing the whole versus conflict doesn't really necessitate a feature length of it Freddy versus jason is still probably the best we're gonna get and that's a very mediocre movie to be nice yeah so this it's it's not very good bad human characters disappointing versions of the alien and the predator some nice ideas i think in the third act i think that's what like I said, makes it not unwatchable is the stuff where it is Shania them and the Predator kind of teaming up and doing um, some back and forth, like destroying the alien queen, some other things like that. That's the best stuff in the movie, and it's not the end, but I agree with Adam that it's not enough to save this movie from being not very good and the lesser end of our double feature for the evening. 
But uh, before we go, we have some feedback we want to read from people. Uh, we asked you all about your favorite moments and bits of the Predator franchise. And uh, we have Brian Cruz, who said, well, only one in the entire franchise is actually any good. So, the first one. Well, Brian, hopefully you can give Predator 2 another chance. Hopefully we convince you of that much. And Predators. And Predators. Brian. <laughs> predators. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's, uh, just, let's just go with Predator 2 just rewatch Predator 2 and just be done with it Predator 2, Predator 2, I'm the host shut up <laughs> well uh, we also have uh, Stuart Brooks had this to say, a big fan of the comics Alien and Predator series, have either of you read the comics of yeah, any of these franchises? I, I have actually, a couple, quite a few issues, there was a lot of interesting things, especially in the Alien ones I gotta be honest, because um, they did delve a lot into the Weyland yutani and the politics and all that. So there's some pretty cool stuff. I think both, if I remember correctly, were put out by Dark Horse. I remember reading the Alien 3 comic when I was six. It was like my first real exposure to the Alien franchise. It at least stuck with me because I remember seeing the, the Alien Queen chestburster coming out of Ripley in comic form, and that just burned into my mind. Don Chambers says uh, a quote, uh, this is between me and him. And then uh, Scott Crawford says, um, my favorite entry would have to be Predator 2. I just love the city backdrop and the war between the gangs and cops. Well, this is the episode for you, Scott. Right. Where do you go, Scott? You you got one right. <laughs> Listen to uh, Scott over at uh, the podcast by the cemetery. Um, Brian Kane has this to say, um, I love the scenes in Predators where Hanzo the Yakuza has a duel with a predator that finds him worthy. It's fan service in a good way in that it sort of exonerates the anticlimactic deaths of characters like Billy and King Willy from the first two movies. It's a bit more schlocky in comparison, but that's sort of what Predator was going for, wasn't it? I think we might disagree on some of those um, things. Some of that. I, I'd argue the King Willie scene is better because you do get that whole dialogue scene with uh, him and Danny Glover. But, I mean, the idea of a, a Yakuza swordsman against a Predator is just, it's cool. It is one of the few parts that I actually like about Predators. That would be a shorter AMV. <laughs> what I like. <laughs> Set to Foo Fighters because this is a lot more highfalutin. Um, oh, yes. And uh, also, Brian said this about our last episode. Uh, also, thank you for your brief defense of Iron Man 3 at the end of the last episode, Thomas. I feel like the movie is the closest any director has gotten to completing their own personal vision on a paint-by-numbers Marvel's formula. I would maybe say, uh, ironically, James Gunn with the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, that's gone a different yeah. way now. But, um, I mean, because you know, Iron Man 3 still has some things that feel kind of like shoved in. At the same time, yeah. uh, but I, I still defend some of the things that like like the big twists and some of the other stuff in there, from necessarily sure. Adam who disagreed with that. Um, and oh, hundred percent, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we ever do that, that'll be the first time we come to blows on the show. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, 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 of course, it's interesting we bring this up now because that was Shane Black who is now doing the Predator. Real quick, because I mean, obviously, we're doing a Predator episode. Any expectations? They, they released a more recent trailer, because the trailers have been really lame, but the most recent trailer they released has me much more excited. Um, and plus, I think, based on what we're seeing on the trailers and all that, I feel like Shane Black has a you know something up his sleeve that he's hiding. That is going to just hope like, so. do something interesting with it. What about you, Jonathan? I do agree with, uh, with what you're saying, Thomas, about the, the, the latest trailer. Because I was on the fence with all the previous ones. It has that shame black, like feel of people shooting the shit and making jokes. And it feels like the original, but it's also taking 
kind of some of the aspects from Requiem and maybe working with it. I'm think it's gonna be it's gonna turn out good enough. I won't have high hopes because I had high hopes for Predators. I'm on a higher echelon of in the middle. We'll take that at sixty five percent. I think that's right on the money. Um, and <laughs> is that the Rotten Tomatoes prediction? There you I, go. I guess yeah. Those are the Vegas odds for Jonathan. Uh, find out next time <laughs> how accurate that was. Um, and then uh, this is some more generic feedback from uh, Stephen D at Waiting FTH about the show. You know what I've been unexpectedly enjoying in the last few episodes? The ambient night noise. It's nice to hear the sounds of summer when the weather tells me that it feels like it's negative eight degrees Celsius. You know what, man? Little known fact. That's all me. I'm I'm like a Michael Winslow in Police Academy and all that. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. <laughs> He's a master Foley artist. It's just like all yeah. my cricket sounds, um, well, random cars that go by in the background. Cicadas and dogs barking on lock. That's all me, man. Um, I, you know, I'll say sometimes I think it does really work. I love um, in this is me literally jerking off our own podcast. Um, but the in the um, animation episode when we're talking about wizards, you can literally hear like birds chirping and shit in the background. I kind of love that. It, it feels like it kind of fits perfectly with a discussion about a movie that's all like in nature and all this other shit. I think sometimes it works. Sometimes you have the Muppets episode we did where you can hear the crickets really chirping. And yeah, that was insane. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I we do enjoy the noise at points. Um, but it, it, when it when it's not overpowering, um, we do we wouldn't mind including it on the show for sure. And that's all, Adam. He likes sitting outside. Michael Winslow in it. Yep. Yep. Doing it like, uh, yep. Scatman Crothers. Just have it at it. <laughs> thank you for all the feedback that you guys provided. We also want to thank a few other people. Uh, thanks to Chris Oliver for the music used in our show. Uh, listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Emily Scarter for the art. Uh, she accepts commissions at Fiverr with two rs.com slash ee scarda. And also, of course, thanks to our lovely guest, Jonathan Habden McHale. Jonathan, uh, where are you out there on the internet? Where can people find you and uh, your musings out there? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm the only Jonathan Hapton McHale you can find. That's H A Bravo Tower Echo M I C H A E L. I do that because B T E sounds so similar. You got to be exact. You can find me also on Twitter at black underscore gendo, black as it's spelled underscore G E N D O. Fair warning, I retweet and like a lot of stuff criticizing political people, so if that's not your bag, you can just skip me. Oh, I also like anime, so that's another warning. <laughs> a bigger warning. A big oh, anime yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, also, this is the first episode we've recorded since I came back from Dragon Con, and uh, if you are a new listener who's popped on since host Dragon Con, a welcome, and uh, thank you for uh, coming and, you know, hearing me talk about bullshit over there and hopefully you like me talking about bullshit here with Adam please don't let Adam deter yeah. you he's a nice boy yeah, I wasn't there guys <laughs> I'm sorry that this is your first episode since I'm a guest I've ruined the dynamic of these two so don't no, judge no, no. on this oh, one kidding me are you kidding me <laughs> oh you were glorious <laughs> uh, stop also... stop <laughs> All right, we got to end this episode before you two make out. Um, we have we want to thank everybody, uh, obviously, and also uh, find us on Twitter at DEDBpod. We also have the Facebook page under that particular account. And also, you can email us at doubleedgedoublebill 
at gmail.com. Um, also, we have our own individual Twitter accounts. I am at not the who's Tommy and Adam. Malekith fan six nine six nine. He's coming back. Infinity War four. I'm telling you, dog. Um, we also want to encourage you uh, for all this witty banter you've heard to subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review us up there so you can give the show more visibility. And if you rest an iTunes review and then send us an email over the double edge double bill at gmail.com uh, address with a screenshot of that and your U.S. mailing address only U.S. address can be accepted, we will mail you a free sticker pack. Uh-huh. Four stickers, two designs, two of each design. Um, and uh, on that note, guys, I think it's time uh, to leave because the hunt is on. Gotta follow the hunter's moon. There you go, man. We're all gonna die. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>